Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. I'm your host, Jay Ewing. I'm on the Erie staff and on the Erie campus most often. Although my favorite office in all of Calvary resides on the Boulder campus. Can you guess it? Do you know it? Hey, we're so glad you're tuning in today. It's a great day. Summer in Colorado is amazing. This is why we live here, people. This is why we live here. But also, I have my great friend Thomas Milburn in the booth today. We're recording today and then tomorrow. I actually get to sit down with the three compadres who preached at the end of May on the book of James. So it's a week up podcast for Jay Ewing here, which I love. I love. I love that you're listening. Hey, you want to go to CalvaryBible.com, figure out what's going on in your campus, Click events, click your campus, find out what is happening. You want to jump into this community. I guarantee you want to jump in this community. There's a place for you and a space, and it's a fun group of people that want to build Christ-centered communities of people fully devoted to loving God and loving others. We're doing it, people. It doesn't look pretty sometimes, and we don't have all the right answers all the time, but we are doing it, and we want you to do it with us. Go to CalvaryBible.com. Also, we've got a great events happening this summer here at Calvary. I want to talk about Kids Week. We have space in Boulder and Thornton. We would love to have you there. Also, if you are passionate about making disciples, I want you to pray. Consider about making disciples this summer at Kids Week. It is our littlest disciples. I wouldn't say the most important, but some of the cutest for sure. Make disciples with us. Get involved. Serve at Kids Week. I'm going to be there. I'm serving already. I'm in Bible story time. One of my favorite things to do every year at Calvary. Jump into Calvary Kids Week with us. Also, we got Maranatha coming up next week. So, hey, my prayer people, we need your prayers. Lord, ask the Lord to do some amazing things here at Maranatha's 181 people from Calvary are going to middle school camp, Maranatha, South Nebraska. It's going to be a really great time. We need you praying for spiritual fruit to happen at Maranatha. Also, finally, 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 high schoolers or parents of high schoolers, Move CIY is coming up in July. And guess what? If you want the pastor of podcast, Jay Ewing, to hang out with your high school student, I'm trying to get on that trip. I'm begging to get on that trip. I love CIY Move. In fact, it was so formative in my life. And when long ago when I was a student minister, I took students out to CIY, hundreds of students out to CIY every year. Love it. Um, it is one of the most spiritually forming events you could ever have your high schoolers at. And that is not underselling it, my friends. That is not We're going to go out to Arkansas, John Brown University. So hop in the van with us. Sign up your high schooler today. Beg, still borrow if you're a high schooler listening. Paint some fences, mow some lawns, get the money to go see CIY move. I guarantee you will not be disappointed. All right, that's enough announcements. Thomas? That, I feel like... That was an interesting announcement section. That was a lot of <laughs> announcements. But all good. Yeah. yeah. There's good. a lot of great things happening at Calvary, like always. Mm. Best like thing always. happening at Calvary right now is that there was an open bag of... Uh, <laughs> Hot dog buns in the kitchen, and I that's what I ate for lunch just now. Well, we had a 55 and better. Great. Yeah, they fantastic. ate all the meat, though. So, 
<laughs> I literally just had a white hot dog bun. But you know what? I'm good. Yeah, man. I'm happy. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Empty carb. It's a really good thing. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's dive in. Yeah, we're going to dive in. Let's talk about... I'm asking you the questions No, today. we're not... We've already done that episode. No. That was a boring episode. That was a great episode. Let's that was do a another very episode boring like that. Hey, okay, you talked... You preached about... And, you know, people just... We're doing Unsung Heroes this summer here at Calvary. On your campus, there's going to be a special message each week. We're not sort of... We're in step with each other because each preacher is going to come out to your campus and preach that message. But... For the podcast's sake. Let me clarify what Jay is talking about. Okay, please. Some <laughs> stumbling. <laughs> we're doing Pick me up. We're doing a summer series entitled Unsung Heroes. And we're looking at less familiar stories in the Bible where men and women exhibit characteristics of faith mm-hmm. that we can imitate. Yeah. And then that reveals character traits of God that we can trust. And we will be taking some of the messages that we share across the campuses, not all of them, but some of them. Yeah. So uh, I'll be on rotation this week and next week, heading out from the Erie campus. Tom Shirk is coming to the Erie campus uh, starting this week. and Mark Luby's out in Thornton. Yeah, no, Mark Luby's in Boulder this week. Mark Luby's in Boulder this week. Oh, my gosh. Not that anyone I'm, actually cares. I'm but like, I'm going to go sit the bench, <laughs> <laughs> drink some Gatorade. There is a schedule of rotation. Anyway, all we would say is the message is not the same on every campus like it normally is during the spring, winter, and fall. Yeah. Summer's a time where we know a lot of people are traveling, um, especially on and off the campuses, and so we do a series that's not as connected where you had to hear last week's message to understand this week's message. They don't build on each other, but we really want these stories to be stories of inspiration to act in faith and trust by faith um, who God is. So the conversation we're going to have today is around the character that I talked about on Sunday from the Erie campus, and someone asked, like, I was kind of, un- I was kind of confused, like, who was the unsung hero? Mm. And unsung hero was kind of two parts because we talked about Hilkiah, the high priest. So he was kind of unsung hero number one. Well, then, why was Hilkiah so important? Well, or why is he an unsung hero? Let me ask that question. He's the one that found the book of the law. He was like cleaning out the closet, right? Okay, so for I don't know, 50, 60 years, yeah. looking at time frame, the book of the law was not taught, preached, known in Israel. What is the book of the law? Five, it's the first five books. The, mo, the mosaic. What are law. the book? first five books of the Bible? Mm-hmm. Now, some will argue: Did he really find all five of the books in a collection, or was it primarily the book of Deuteronomy okay. as the law of God? But either way, it gives the moral compass and identity of the people of of God. Mm-hmm. You know who they are, what they're supposed to be doing. That was given on Mount Sinai with mm-hmm. Moses. So that was lost. Which when you when you lose the word of God, you lose the worship of God. And so what ended up happening was the worship of the nations began to first come into the country and then was welcomed into the temple, and it crowded out the worship of Yahweh so that uh, the people were worshiping all these other gods of the nations that they weren't supposed to be doing. My goodness, man. We could talk about that all day long. Yeah. That's a beautiful... And sad story altogether. Yeah, so Hilkiah is our yeah. unsung hero, yeah. which our inspiration of faith is, where are our Bibles? Yeah. Have we neglected them so that uh, we have lost the ways of the Lord, how we're supposed to be living, mm-hmm. and as a result, have really lost the worship of God in our life? Because we're called to be worshipers, not just worship on Sunday. And so we as human beings are worshipers, 
and God's Word informs us of how to live, and how we live is what the Bible would call worship. Yeah. So before we jump into that, let's talk about Josiah just for a second. Okay? Yeah. So he's, he's unsung hero number two-ish. Yeah. yeah. He's a little more known. Yep. He was eight, year old, eight years old when he took the reign of the kingdom of Israel or Judah. Uh, where the kingdoms divided of Israel, again. of Israel, so, um, kingdoms are divided. He's got the northern kingdom. Okay, and um, what were you doing at eight years old, Jay? Were you ruling a kingdom? No, I was thinking about playing baseball <laughs> and Legos, <laughs> <laughs> and seeing how much sugar my mom would let me eat. <laughs> like maybe Josiah was doing the same thing. Like, can I eat that cupcake? I don't know. He's probably I don't know. But it's sort of it's it's supposed to catch he our attention. Counsel. It's a real historical king, but it's also supposed to raise awareness in our life. Like, what's gone wrong that a king is taking the throne at eight years old? Or how ridiculous is this? So some people on Sunday were actually, after the church, were sending me artifacts that archaeologists had uncovered that have all of these stories affirmed not only by Israel's history, but by other neighboring countries. Yeah, which is Awesome. Which kings are which kings and when they're kings. And it's all just confirmed. Yeah. I love I love the Bible. It's it's amazing. Um what was the question? How did we get there? Yeah, how do how did how did the Israel get there that an eight year old becomes a king? So what we looked at with we were looking at the story from Second Chronicles. Yeah. Uh the books of First and Kings and First and Second Chronicles kind of parallel each other with, you know, additional details and, and the way they talk about the stories, but affirming each other. Um it's just an account of good leadership, bad leadership. Like we know that in our own country, people flourish under good leadership that are that are um, have the laws that are just and upheld, and um, the vulnerable are cared for. And then when corrupt leadership comes in, the people suffer. And so they had experienced two kings prior of really corrupt leadership. And Though, that's how far from removed from Solomon or even David? Mm, good question. Where are we in that? Do you know? Uh, it's not that far. It's not that far. Yeah. It's a couple a, hundred years, yeah. right? Yeah, is less it, than. Is it? Yeah. That's a good question. I don't have that in my notes. It's okay. It's okay. This podcast is not about having all the answers sometimes. So see, Josiah, like 630 is his reign, I believe. Six. Hmm. I'd have to look. Yeah, we'll look. We'll, okay. we'll see. We'll, we'll circle back someday on that. It's really cool. No one actually cares, but. I know. No, I they do. do. I, I think Josiah was reigning around 630. Which is crazy because if you read your Bibles, there's a couple of things happening in this time too. This is sometimes where the major minor prophets' writings are happening and taking place as well. It seems like God's really trying desperately to catch the attention of the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel in this time period, right? Well, he's been trying with prophets, right? So anytime his own people go astray and wander into the love affairs of the world, he sends a prophet to call us call us back. Yeah, because he's not a God who just says, okay, peace out. He's a God who's always on the pursuit. And we see this even in Josiah's time. We got, what, two of the great prophets? Well, one of the great, Jeremiah's written in this time, and Zephaniah, minor prophet in your Bible. I know hard to find that book it's hard to find in my bible sometimes but is a prophet written it's a prophetic message written in this time period as well super interesting i mean it's like 
sometimes you look at the books of the Bible, right? And they are so linear. In reality, they're more interwoven than you would think they were. Does that yeah. make sense? Because oh, when I read Old Testament, I'm like, it's linear. It's chronological. Yeah. And it's not written that way because that's not the collection of books. It's not organized that way. Yeah. And that's actually a good segue to the question that we said we would be talking about on the podcast today, which is how do you read your Bible? Yeah. And then how do you, how do you delight in it? Because so the consequence of the people is that like injustice goes out the window, um, the, the care for the vulnerable, the weak, the immigrant always goes out the window when you have corrupt leadership. Mm-hmm because they stray from the word of God. And so Hilkiah, unsung hero, finds the book of the law. Josiah implements the book of the law. Amazing. And Amazing. transforms people's lives. Yeah. So we ask the question, to where is this, the word of God in our life? Like, have we neglected it because we've gotten too busy? Mm-hmm. Um, do we spend time in it? Um, or is it kind of like the days prior to Josiah where it just got neglected and then lost in a broom closet. Like you have a Bible, maybe you have multiple versions of a Bible. Uh, Maybe you have like six Bible apps, but they just sit on the bookshelf. They sit in a closet. They're in a book box Mm -hmm. and they're just never in front of us on our laps. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions is like, well, okay, let's, let's say we pulled out the Bible this week. So we're going to do the character trait of Hilkiah. We're going to find the Bible in the, in the house this week and we're going to pull it out and then we're going to open it how do you actually read this thing, Jay? Mm. Like to your point, it doesn't just start from beginning to end and every book is chronological. Mm-hmm. Um, how is the Bible set up and where would you begin to read it? Yeah, that's a really great question, Thomas. Um, first and foremost, I believe that you can just open up the Bible and there's certain sections of the Bible where you're more prone to discover things about God and understand God in a very simple way. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so it's you, like a plain reading of the text. Plain reading of the text. So you could go to Genesis 1. That is a wonderful place to start. You can go to John 1. You can go to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can start in the Psalms. You can start in reading a proverb a day. There's 31 proverbs. Most of our months have 31 days in them. And read the proverb of the day. That is an easy way to get into your Bible. You can start with some history. If you're a history buff, start with the book of Acts. Or First and Second Samuel. Those are great ways to start reading your Bible. Where you do not want to start your Bible reading. If you have not been reading your Bible lately. Not because it's not worthy. This is because it is not the easiest to digest. It'd be like Leviticus, or I would even say at times Revelation, because those books need a little more other Bible stories, other biblical narratives and texts to help you read them in a way that is profitable. Does that make sense? Totally. So if you're brand new to the Bible, yeah, what Jay is laying out, there's a framework, mm-hmm. and there are different genres. It's really it's helpful to think of your Bible as almost like a library of individual books. Yeah, you said that on Sunday, and you put up a, a slide of all the books, right? From 1992. It looks like it's from 1992. It's so good, man. <laughs> why, why reproduce? We don't need a crazy clip art from 19. It's like, so good from Paintbrush or whatever that. Yeah, totally. yeah. <laughs> but if you're if you're brand new but, to the Bible, start with John. If you have been away from the Bible for a long time, 
Start with some of the Gospels or the Start Proverbs. with Jesus. Yeah. Because Jesus is going to get you all around your Bible. Yeah. Jesus is, a, is quoting from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. The epistles, people who are writing after Jesus and kind of making explanation of... The letters yeah. of like what to do. They're kind of they're they're highlighting mm-hmm. what Jesus is teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you start with Jesus, you can start accessing all the different books of the Bible. Yeah, totally. It's a great place to start. And that's in Jesus. the Gospels. Yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. But you know, if like if you're a serious history buff, like you just love biographies, you know, you could always go to the story of David. Mm-hmm. Or if you're, you know, do the things that you're excited about first. That's my thing. With the Bible, because I want you to learn to enjoy it. That's a good tip. Yeah. So, like, if you like to do's, like, do this, do this, read James. If you're a person who wants poetry or like likes music or your favorite band is U2, you probably should be reading the Psalms because those are poetic, beautiful, instructional hymns, songs, prayers all those type of things. So do what you like to do first when it comes to the Bible. If you want to know what it's all about, Jesus, obviously. Mm -hmm. If you like science, I think Genesis is a great place to start because it sort of gets that niche of like, how did this get created and the details of that. So that's how I'd say read your Bibles. All right, so if you know of a story that you want to read, a theme you want to read, um, the tool that probably we've we've said for years, like grab a concordance, right? Because you can look up words. No doubt. But since then, yeah, they have made Google. Well, they have made Google, and <laughs> Google is pretty reliable when you want some of these things. Sometimes not. Oh yeah, I wouldn't like look like search for theology necessarily on yeah. Google, but I think you can look for Bible stories. So you could say where in the Bible story of David. Yeah, and they'll draw up. You know, it's totally. Hey, they'll lead you in, in a certain direction yeah. for sure. So if there are those things you're talking about, you could Google where in the Bible is, and they will generate some of these texts. Yeah, I would say go to BibleGateway.org. That's another one Yep, that's super reliable. It's sort of how, it's sort of how I use a concordance. A concordance was an old book that had... All the words. All the words of the Bible and where they were. Yep. Sort of the Bible's form of a dictionary, maybe, or topical. Yeah, con- yeah concordance, yeah. Yeah. Or your U version app, your U version app can, it's, I just, I love this app. I think it, they develop it every year better and better, um, more robust in its searching mm-hmm. mode. So U version. We also, on Sunday, you gave us a list of some books that you think every Christian probably should have at least one of these on their shelves in their lifetime, right? Well, they can be helpful for accessing the Bible. So if we say, Bible's a mystery box from someone who's brand new to it. Like, yeah. what is this thing? Yeah. I would recommend, and we'll pull out some of these resources and just talk about them. The first thing I would recommend is a book by Max Anders, mm-hmm. and it's called 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. So it's seriously a 30-day devotional. Yeah. With give, fill in the blanks. Yeah, fill in the blanks and pictures, I think. And pictures, yeah. yeah. It's a solid. Great. Man, it has pictures in it. Pictures and fill in the blanks. That's what I need. And what it does is gives you the whole framework that... Jay and I kind of briefly mentioned that probably wasn't super helpful. Yeah. But it's like, what is the beginning, page one? Mm-hmm. What is the end? What happens in between? Who are the key characters? Mm-hmm. What are the key families? Um, what are the key writings and genres? 
so that you can have the scaffolding, so to speak, mm-hmm. to access the Bible and to understand what is this book. Because it's not, some people think the Bible is this divine um, mandate from heaven that someone just saw a vision and dictated everything God said. There's other religions like that there out are. there in the world. And that's what people think the Bible is. Yeah. It's it like is. someone with magic glasses uncovered tablets or heard from prophets and then wrote a book. It's not like National Treasure. <laughs> it's not quite like National Treasure. What it is is unique authors in unique space and time with unique personalities, experiences, educations, backgrounds, writing their experience as they're carried along by the Spirit of God. So it's very much a human slash divine book. Mm-hmm. And what you find yourself learning is, wow, I, I can see myself in the story. And so it's not just a collection of spiritual sayings. It is a collection of God's interactions with humanity as he reveals himself as to who he is mm-hmm. and how God interacts and calls people within the real life that you live. No doubt. It's incredible. It is incredible. So It's so delightful to read when you understand that. You finally get that. That's when it becomes a delight. I okay, let's, let's take a little... Uh, no, no, no. no, no let's, let's segue. I mean, I like that. I like that off-ramp. Yeah. This is like pulling off on I-70 on the way to Kansas. Like, you know, I'll hit that red stop. It has, as long as it either has a subway or Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> Just a restroom? Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's, let's pull off on that rest stop for a second. Yeah. You use the word delight in the Bible. Yeah, I think people are wondering, like, okay, so if I'm getting handholds, I'm getting scaffolding. We'll talk more about that in a second. How how do I delight in this? Like, what do I do with this book? You know, I I think that's a really hard question to answer sometimes, and a very clear question to answer sometimes too. Because, you know, Psalm one nineteen. One nineteen says this: How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I've always thought. And maybe this because I didn't, I wasn't around the Bible a large section of my ch- my childhood and growing up, in the sense of I wasn't reading it or didn't open it up myself. And I think when I came to know the living Savior Jesus Christ Himself, the Bible became such a delight to me because it was fresh. You know, I hadn't been through generations of Sunday school or felt boards or I didn't go to a Christian school which sometimes are trappings for you not to delight in your Bible does that make sense Mm -hmm. like I told the community life team yesterday that after I graduated Bible college I didn't read my Bible for six months afterwards and in that time I think the Lord was decluttering that I was getting grades on the text or studying the text for papers or academic assertions. And then when I picked it up again, when I felt like, oh gosh, I am missing this. When I picked it up again, I read it in 90 days. And it was the most delightful experience. One of the most delightful experiences. And that's because the Lord had to use a season of, I guess, desert dryness to purge some of that out of me so that I would enjoy it once again. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we talk about delighting your Bi- in your Bible, I'm not saying it's easy. Don't ever hear that. But I'm saying there should come a point in your Bible reading 
where it is fun to read fun and you are getting a lot out of your reading because God is speaking through the text and you're dwelling with God in that. And that's sort of hard work to get there. And then some decluttering. Like I think some of the most unhelpful things is God's Bible is a love story to you. I don't like, I don't want to watch a Nicholas Sparks movie. <laughs> like I don't care about that crap. Or like God's his prescription for your life. Like I didn't know I needed to take some really nasty tasting medicine spoonfuls at a time. You know what I mean? Like I don't think those are helpful, but they are helpful at times. I don't want to give them full shade, but but like the psalmist says it's sweeter than honey. And what that means is that when we read it, we should really crave it and delight in it. It should taste good. And I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I'm answering around your question. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, totally. And, I, yeah, go ahead. And so when I say delight in your Bible, it takes seasons of knowing it, studying it, being around a community of faith with it, and then also asking the question, where am I in this? Because I think so many of us never ask that question about our Bibles. When we're reading the Bible, we're like, this is 2,000 years ago. Like, these are ancient people. They didn't have iPhones. They didn't have Teslas. They didn't have espresso makers. Like, you know what I mean? These people are so different than us. But in reality, I am no different and I have no difference in my propensity to sin as those heroes of the Bible or even putting it on the shelf like this weekend, forgetting about it and for another season, letting dust fall on it. You know, like that's me. That's my warning as well. And so there's ways in which you can delight in it. I think listening to the Bible, if you don't like reading your Bible, I think a great gateways listening to your Bible as well. So I really appreciated that your insight on trying to find yourself in the Bible. Yeah. Like in the, in the sense of you're reading a story. Um, it's interesting. Like we love stories about ourselves, right? Like think about photographs. Totally. Someone's going to show you a thousand photographs. You're like, am I in any of those? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Or you can watch a slideshow and you're like, oh, there I am. Yeah. There you, I am. Yeah. Oh, if you, you ever see a picture that you're supposed to be in, the first person you look at is you. Yeah. Totally. And find out if you're looking good or not. So when we're reading our Bibles, I love your your insight of can you find yourself in the photograph, so to speak? Can you say, oh my goodness, like I, I see myself in, in that story. Like they doubted, like I doubt. They wrestled like I wrestled. They sinned like I sinned. They asked for forgiveness like I asked for forgiveness. They have kids like my kids. Yeah. They're parents. <laughs> Um, so when you're reading the stories, try to just put like your, your mind to it saying, what would it be like to be them? And how does that feel the same being me? Yeah. I think one of the most underused resources when we read our Bibles is our own imagination. Does that make sense? Uh, having a great biblical imagination. Yeah. Yeah. And part of that is we're not a, um, we're not a storytelling culture like we used to be, but like you used to it would be very rare that in ancient days your parents wouldn't be telling you the stories of the Bible if they were among the people of God because they didn't have a copy and they were just remembering how the story unfolded when they listened to it on 
their church service. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so our imaginations would be engaged. Like I, you remember, you remember what your grandparents told them, told you about their high school days because it was in a story, not because of the numbers or details. And the same way with the Bible, you delight in it and you read it and you, you know it based upon the stories that it tells, not necessarily the facts and figures that you're trying to glean from it. I love that modern uh, science, like how the, how the brain works when they're trying to train communicators. Like if you really want your audience to engage with you and remember your points, yeah. wrap it in a story. Right I'm glad they figured out finally now that God was really smart in wrapping <laughs> his is what he wants to communicate in a story. Of course, it's his creator. It's so He's great. the creator of the creation. Once so again, God comes out winner, number one. Yeah, no doubt. Um, okay, so if, if you're not delighting your Bible as well and you have kids in your home, like say younger kids, like early elementary or elementary age, the Jesus Story Bible is a great way for you to understand God's story mm. by reading your that Bible to your kids. I think it does a really decent job of telling sort of the theme of the Bible. Yeah. If you have older kids, the Action Hero Bible is a fun. My son, it's a comic book type written type Bible. If you have a hard time reading the Bible, read that with your kids because your imagination unfolds because they're drawing out the story. So they're literally the comic. It's just super cool. It's like, it's just fun Bible. If you have older kids in college, you know, some of the best ways to delight in God's word together is listening to it on a road trip. Say, hey, let's listen to the book of James. It's going to take 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Before we listen to this next album or this next podcast, let's listen to this. And so there's ways in which you can do it in your everyday life already in your own, your precious space and time that help you start to delight in the Bible again. That's good. Give that. All right. So we, we use this word imagination. Mm-hmm. It's not to make up what we think things could mean. Right. So in order to have a really strong imagination, we need to understand the meaning of texts. Yes. You so do. in, in our, in some Bible studies, mm-hmm. they, they love to ask this question, which kind of drives me crazy is you're, you're all kind of study something and read something. And then everyone sits in this circle and someone asks, how does this, how does this verse or this passage or this book, make you feel yeah and then we all kind of like <laughs> give right. this oh commentary like well this verse could mean this and it, it makes me feel this way what we strive for is understanding the meaning of a text mm-hmm. which then informs who i am and gives insight of who god is mm-hmm. so god chose to reveal himself in a written word it's amazing yeah and so we want to have a clear understanding of the texts what resource would you offer for people from your bookshelf to help us kind of get grasp around like individual books or understanding the Bible. Yeah. How to read the Bible uh, book by book by Gordon fee is a really easy resource. You know, I bet there's a digital Kindle version of this. I'm sure there is. I haven't even looked, but just have a hard copy sort of by your nightstand. So like before you read a book of the Bible and you have, you're not familiar with it, go to the Gordon fee, how to read the Bible book by book and sort of read the summary of what you're about to read. Because even if you don't get it, it's going to be back there sort of mulling over why you read the book. That's just one of those helpful ideas on how to delight in the Bible. Cool. So find ourselves in the story, 
clear understanding of the text to help us understand who God is. Yeah. How about, you know, can you walk us through sort of, you know, we, we have these, these great new podcasts and they've done a great job of doing some of this as well. But the guys online that we all follow Bible story, the Bible project guys, um, they recommended a book when we, that we've all read in the last couple of years around the staff. What book would that be? The one that's sort of, yeah, that one. What oh. was that one? So I, this is a guy named Ray Lubick, and he writes his book, Read the Bible for a Change, um, Understanding and Responding to God's Word. This is a helpful book in when you start trying to break down like what's happening within the story or how to read the story. And genres that are right. taking place. So when people say, I read the Bible literally, I totally get what they're saying. Like they're, they're, I, I read the plain reading of the text, right? Yeah. Um, they're not trying to explain away the Bible. Like there's a lot of teachers, preachers, Bible theologians that do the what I consider the explain away is yeah. here you read this verse, you would think it says this, but it can't mean that. Aha, uh-huh. it means this instead. Yeah. And so you're like, what I don't understand how like you read the Bible basically completely upside down the way I do. Yeah. The explain right. away. What right. he's doing is saying, okay, it the liter the literal reading of the text is wanting to take the text seriously. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to take the text seriously, you want to read it literarily. So do you read poetry literally? Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I guess you don't read poetry literally, but you do read it literarily if you're going to take it seriously to say, what does this mean? And so there are certain genres like the Psalms mm-hmm. that you have to read in a different way than you would the, the books of history um, or the prophets or the... Um, the Gospels, eyewitness accounts. So what he's doing in this resource is helping you get handholds on how to read your Bible in the different literary genres and how the Bible likes to use hyperbole, exaggerations. Metaphors. Yeah, totally. So he's going to help you understand how the Bible is written Mm. so that we can understand how the Bible should be read. And that's a really good book. Like, it's not boring. It's not technical. Like, it's not, like, going to put you to sleep. It's sort of... It's an easier book like that, right? Yeah, it doesn't quite have pictures, but it yeah. does have diagrams. Ooh, even better. Diagrams are good. So, okay. And then the traditional book that you would recommend for um, individuals like who want to sort of deep, not deep dive, but really have a really good grasp on how to, you're talking about like how to find the meaning of a text. Explain what the, when we when we say that, how to how to grasp yes. God's word, <laughs> which is the title <laughs> of the book. Right, what book how do what, we what, find what, the aim? What book are you talking about? Grasping God's word. Yeah, grasping God's word. A hands-on approach to reading, interpreting, and applying the Bible. It's Duvall and Hayes wrote this book. It's by Zondervan. It's been around a long time now, over twenty plus years. Um, it's, you know, it's it's a great book that I picked up in Bible college in one of my classes, but also I think anyone who teaches the Bible, like in a Bible study or wants to take seriously their Bible reading, it's a good place to to be and to have and to highlight and to sort of go back to reference. And what they're doing is they're talking about sort of how do we find what the author wanted us to understand. And what they mean by that is the writers write these sentences and they are trying to communicate 
our idea about God, about us, about the world, and how do we go about understanding that? And so they're talking about word studies and, um, you know, sentences and how to read genres and all those things like who controls the meaning. They ask that question. Does the author control the meaning? Do we control the meaning? You know, it's like going back. I love this analogy of like, what's your favorite song of all time? Our God is an awesome God. No, it's not. You used, why, used, to, why say do you say that? You used to say Garth Brooks. <laughs> also, which Garth Brooks? Uh, what was that? I song? got friends in low places. <laughs> That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's probably my favorite song. The dance. Yeah. The, the dance. dance. Yeah. Yeah. Those are my favorite songs, Jay. Okay, so let's take uh, "Made let's in look. the USA" by Taylor Swift. No, it's not. But I Taylor want Swift. you to take. <laughs> Garth Brooks, I have friends in low places and draw out the spiritual analogy you're trying to get to. Yeah, here's where I'm trying to get to. Okay, let's go. You're going to listen to that song and you're going to think he wrote it for one thing. I'm going to listen to that song and think he wrote it for a different thing. We're both reading this. We're both listening to the same song. We both enjoy the same song. We both sing along to the same song. But neither of us know why he wrote that song, right? Right. The Bible in some ways is has that sort of confusion to it as well, tied to it, doesn't it? I could read a text, you could read a text. We could be in different spaces, time, places, cultures, languages, centuries apart. How do we know what the authors are trying to communicate? I think you first have to assume or believe that the authors are trying to communicate something. That's very true. You know, I think so many people are like, well, this could mean this for you and it means this for me. But that's not how communication works. Yeah. Like I, when I call someone, I have a message to communicate. And if they mishear my message, I'm frustrated with them. Mm. So to assume that the authors did not have a linear communication that they wanted to communicate mm-hmm. is a bad starting point. We first have to begin with, they have a message that they intend to communicate, that they want to be received by their hearer, in the way that they wrote it, yeah. said it. In the place in which yeah. they thought it. So that's probably the first one. Second is, so, oh, go ahead. so grasping God's word is yeah. going to sort of help you understand that process, sort of how to come about understanding those things. Okay, well, we'll just punt it to the resource instead of trying to do it right here. Yeah. I like that idea. So those are four resources to recount. Um, one Jay just talked about is? Yeah, grasping God's word, Duvall and Hayes. We got the Max Anders book, which is 30, 30 days, days to understanding the Bible. Great, fun, good devotional for a month. And then there's Ray Lubick's uh, Read the Bible for a Change, kind of understanding um, how the Bible is genrely put together. Um, I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah. Put together and how to read it, how they use words, how they use literary styles to convey the message of God. And then um, Gordon Fee's How to Read the Bible book by book is a good synopsis of individual books and, and how to understand them. Yeah. Can I go back to part of the conversation we had about how you delight in your Bible? That's where I want to go back. Good. Me too. Okay. Let's go back to the rest stop. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Next, Starbucks <laughs> in the middle of Kansas. It's like a godsend in itself, but okay. One of the things you can do to help you read your Bible. And I said this long ago on this podcast, long ago, but is to read good fiction, be a person who good, I don't trust, don't ever trust someone who never reads fiction. That's a J axiom. (laughs) 
You know how Thomas is never reading anyone that's not dead? I I read Goodnight Moon. Is that considered? Good fiction? Yeah. I would consider it in perfect genre. But here's what good fiction does. Reading good fiction. I'm not saying like dimes store novel fiction. I'm saying like good fiction. Classical fiction that have stood the test of time. It helps like, turn on the imagination. Mm -hmm. And it helps you become astute to literature and genres of literature and ways and forms in which the humans have told stories in different areas of literature. Does that help? I Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I think the question is when you start reading fiction like 1984 and it becomes reality, <laughs> what do you do? Or read fiction like some of my favorite fiction is, you know, I love Hemingway. I love Steinbeck, Dostoevsky, um, you know, we got to talk about always the J.R.R. Tolkien series, Lewis and his Chronicles of Narnia. That's a wonder. Those are wonderful places to start to read great fiction and then to step into the reality that the Bible has a literary genre to it. Each book does. And it will help you start to have that biblical imagination. I like how you said that to delight in God's word. Okay. Well, how would you, okay. Let's, let's talk about Thomas for a second. Yeah. So Jay, Jay's really smart and reads really big books. No. So read Harry Potter for the simpletons, Harry Potter? the simpletons like me mm -hmm. that are very pedestrian mm -hmm. in their literature. Yeah. I watch way more baseball than you think I do. <laughs> I would say the beginning of my delight is really selfish. So I'm not saying this is positive, but it's, it's pretty selfish. When I use the word prosperous, mm -hmm. what comes to mind? Getting rich, getting, getting the bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Get my pool in the backyard. Yeah, so yeah. it's like it's a benefit, right? Yeah, totally. It's going to enrich me. Um, it makes my life better. Mm -hmm. So if I said, hey, I have an activity for us, Jay. Mm -hmm. I, it's not quite a Ponzi scheme, but it's going to be prosperous for us. Mm -hmm. Are you not interested in what I've got? No doubt. When the New Testament authors talk about the scriptures, they use the word prosperous. Mm. When the Old Testament writers, they talk about its delight and its good, like wisdom mm. that helps us navigate the world. So Paul, when he writes to Timothy, talking about the word of God that's been breathed out is, and he uses this word profitable. Yeah, it's that. profitable. And so... Gosh. So many times when I think of the Bible, I'm like, oh, that sounds like a chore or that sounds like a problem or that sounds, you know, whatever. If I could just get in my mind, spending time here profits me. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's going to profit me in my marriage. It's going to profit me in my, how I in, interact with neighbors, difficult people, the tragedies of the world, how the loneliness I feel, depression. Prosper you in your office space, your cubicle. Your company, yeah, absolutely. So, no uh, engaging God's word is to my prosperity. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not the hey, we're gonna get more money in the bank account, and we're all gonna have a jet like Creflo Dollar, mm -hmm. uh, but it is to my benefit. That's why He revealed it to us. And so, when I think of the Bible sitting over there, I think, oh, if I open that book, I am profited to spend time there. Mm -hmm. That's just like an attitude shift, I think, 
that has happened in, in my life. So now when I'm opening this, I'm like, hey, where do I find myself in the story? Who does God say I am in the story? Where have other people walked before me? Um, how have they experienced my life? How does God reveal himself to them? Who does God say he is? Um, how can I count on God to be that in my story? So all of a sudden, this whole thing shifts. I'm like, okay, now now I'm, I'm known. That so many of us feel alone. Um, I belong somewhere because we feel isolated. And I, I don't feel as though like I'm totally out here. Like the, I'm the only one that feels these things because people have walked before and God knows my story. So I think that's where I've started with the delight is, okay, this will benefit my life to spend significant time here. And this was shared with me and I've shared it with other people. Um, I think of all the regrets that I have and decisions I, I you know, sometimes wish I could go back and, and make a different decision. Not a single one, not a single one of those comes from following the book. That's incredible. That is incredible. It's like when I know his word and I do his word, that's not the source of any of my regrets. Mm. All of my regrets come from following my own. The book of Thomas. The book of Thomas. <laughs> the gospel of Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Bible joke. That is a very big Bible joke. Anyway. So oh. I would just say it's kind of self-centered, but it's like, man, God gave his word for my benefit. And I went in. I yeah. went in. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm teaching this class right now at 9 a.m. on the Erie campus called Habits. And it's forming sort of a life with Jesus, forming a life that's well-lived with Jesus. And one of the ladies said this week, and I, I totally know what she means. She's like, my day goes better. Like, I can tell the difference of my day if I started it by reading God's word or if I didn't. And you're like, okay, that seems like a little far-fetched and magical, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's preposterous. But reality is so true. Something about sitting in this book on a daily basis does something to the individual, like you're saying, where it brings about prosperity and joy and life. And it's amazing that it does it. And why wouldn't we... I'm asking me my, this question. Why wouldn't I want to do that every day? You know, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing. So it, yeah, I would just say start start with the practice. Like just open it up. Um, I think your point of Psalms or Proverbs, one of the Gospels is a good place to, to start. Yeah. And just think about it. Don't move too quickly beyond it. Think about it. And yeah. and I mean, we should probably should have said this in the beginning, but before you open your Bible, just say, Lord, I want to meet with you. Mm -hmm. I want you to speak to me. And so would you reveal yourself to me as I open this? And would you reveal who I am as I open this? And asking those questions, what does this say about me? What does it say about God? And, and here's a question that's a famous question that I think everyone should be asking. Now that I understand this text, in light of this teaching, how then shall I live? Yeah, man. Francis Schaeffer quote, love the Francis oh. Schaeffer quote. Anyway, if you're still listening to this hour-long podcast and your batteries of the Walkman haven't worn out... <laughs> Thanks for, can, hang, thanks for hanging out with us today. You can listen to a podcast by Walkman? <laughs> I think you can. There's got to be like a Bluetooth, uh, Wi-Fi tape no thing. Doubt. No doubt. Right? These days. Hey, Calvary, we're so thankful you're listening. You can always follow along with us by either going to and subscribing to this podcast on where you find your podcast. You can also follow along what's happening at Calvary by going over to the YouTube channel. 
do us a huge favor. Go over there, subscribe, so you're instantly notified when there's news, updates, and things happening at Calvary on your YouTube channel. We're pointing up. Last thing. Solomon was 300 years before Josiah. 300 years? Yeah. That's amazing. Only 300 years, and they had put it in the closet. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy. We love you, Calvary. Talk to you soon.